absolutely. Oh, go and see. Go and see and go and play as many shows as you possibly can. Play, and everything counts. Play on the street. Play in pubs. Play cover gigs. Play your own music. Play everything that anybody offers you. Hello, friend, and welcome back to another episode of... Do I need school to be... The podcast in which me, Alex, is going to sit down with creatives and ask them about their journey into the creative field, focusing on their education, the teachers who shaped them, the books who shaped them, the movies, in general, what their journey was like. If you're somebody who is thinking about entering the creative field, I hope this show will be a resource to you and show you that we all have different paths and they are all valid. So let's go. Hey friend, welcome back to the show. I hope you're having a great week and that you're ready for a great episode because because this week I have Dan Elliott on the pod. Dan is a musician currently based in Dublin who actually wanted to be a teacher at one point. Yeah, he'll tell us all about when he made that pivotal choice to follow his passion for music, how he learned to perform, what he loves about performing, why experience is so important, his love for actually printed books, and much more. Really happy you're here, and here is my interview with Dan Elliott. Hi, Dan. How are you today? I'm very, very well. How are you? I am also very good. The Netherlands is getting finally some nice weather which is rare the same here in dublin it's getting um i mean it's really windy like i was gonna say people want to go on my instagram story but this isn't live (laughs) (laughs) my instagram story today you can check it out maybe it's literally a tree in a nearby cemetery has just been like ripped in half and it's like a proper old gnarled looking tree that just got ripped apart by the wind over the weekend so the weather here is sunny but you know you still gotta be careful when we walk outside right now I saw that and it looks crazy. I thought it was Absolutely. a movie shooting. I thought like, wow, yeah. these people actually invested money. They ripped out a tree yeah. and they put it there. <laughs> I mean, damn, that's a, yeah. that's commitment right there. It's intense. It's intense. But yeah, it's getting warmer and nicer. It makes such a difference as well. Like I'm looking out my bedroom window right now and it's nearly 7 p.m. and it's still not fully dark, which is great. Because, you know, when it gets dark at like four o'clock in the afternoon, that just makes me sad in my in my bones. But here we are now, enjoying this time. Uh, for the audience, please tell us who you are and what you're currently working on. My name is Dan Elliott. I'm an Irish singer-songwriter from Cork, based in Dublin. I am currently working on a collection of songs. Um, I have a new single, kind of ready to go, pretty much. I'm just trying to get the pieces together if you know what i mean trying to get the artwork and everything sorted out in a way that i like and getting the music videos and things put together but i'm really excited to release it very soon and hopefully organize a couple of gigs in ireland and hopefully maybe even further afield and how has the pandemic affected you as a singer songwriter because i actually saw you play live in so far sounds rotterdam before in those times before the pandemic way 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 back maybe some people remember those times when you could just do stuff and not wear masks or provide certificates for anything. You could just go places and do stuff. Those were those were rare times. Yeah. Uh yeah, that was that was a great that was a great weekend actually, rather than. It was really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. But like for you, not being able to play like I know you were doing Zoom gigs. I also attended one of your Zoom gigs, which was oh, pretty yeah. awesome. How did that change? Like how do you feel different? I mean, uh, you go from doing you know a lot of life like my whole thing i love writing songs recording songs i love everything about being a musician but live performance is the thing i love the most being on stage in front of people and interacting with people and those zoom gigs were a godsend they really did you know 
they gave me a sense of purpose and just it, it you know it's not the same but it's as close as you could get it's still performing you know you're still performing for people and interacting with people and making people laugh and having hopefully i don't know making some sort of an impact on somebody's day that they you know enjoyed whatever you were doing so they were great, but obviously you're going from a world in which, you know, like I said, just walking around with a guitar on your back and singing songs in all different kinds of venues was just standard practice. To have that taken away was, well, it was harrowing. But um, look, we, we just about survived our way through it and it's kind of getting back to something resembling normality now. So I like the spirit of honesty being like, it was awful, but here we oh, are. It was we so made it. Bad. Oh, it was. I just finished a book last night by a comedian called Daniel Sloss, and he's got. I think the chapter of the book was um, "I Fought My Thoughts and My Thoughts Won," and he was just talking about the pandemic. And I so empathised. I only just said today to a buddy of mine, he was like, "Where are you going?" And I said, oh, "I'm just going for a walk." And he was. He kind of said, "You know, where are you going?" And I was like, "Bro, I'm going for a walk. I need to get out of this space and just go." So like the pandemic, because I'm very bad at being stationary. So with the pandemic, you know, being stuck in a room or in a house or not being allowed to leave like my five kilometer radius. So, so tough. I travel a lot for work. So, yeah, being being stuck is a horrible feeling for me. So, yeah, pandemic was awful. And anyone who says it wasn't is a liar. <laughs> yeah. Some people learn how to bake bread. Others just fell into a spiral of doom. That. Yeah, I did. I did. I ran a little spiral of doom. More running, spiral of doom. That, that was my process for the whole pandemic, pretty much. I mean, it did give me the chance to record the songs I'm releasing this year, which was nice. I recorded them all myself at home on my grandparents' old farm in West Cork. So it was a really pretty, beautiful time of the year. The Euros was on. I was just in a house on my own, watching football, swimming in the sea and recording music. And it will always go down probably as two of the best weeks of my whole life. And that happened during the pandemic. So that has to be borne in mind as well. But this is not a pandemic podcast. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to the conversation. So you are a full-time musician. Yes, indeed. And how did you get here? Like, how did you just pick up an instrument when you were three years old and started playing beautifully? Or like, how, how this, did paint us a word picture? How did this all happen? <laughs> um, I didn't play much music growing up, really. Uh, we did piano lessons. My parents made us do piano lessons, which me and my siblings, my siblings and I, rather, we all resented them very much. We did not enjoy playing the piano. Uh, but I did it for a while, and then I was in secondary school. And I remember very, very vividly, like, one of the first weeks of secondary school, so high school, for anyone who's not from Ireland, or I don't know what you call it in the various places you might be listening from. First week of high school, the choir do this performance, and I can hear these, I see these guys my age in the choir singing, and I'm, I'm, I was like, I'm pretty, pretty sure I can do that. Like, I, I know everyone thinks they can sing in the shower, but like, I'm almost sure I can do that. So I entered the school talent show and I didn't win or anything like that, but I had a great time and I, people said, yeah, that, that was really good, man. So I started playing the guitar properly. I kind of had some lessons when I was young and Honestly, from the moment I sort of played music on stage in front of people, it'll sound cliched or like I'm saying it because it's a good thing to say, but honestly, pretty much everything else went out the window. Like I was 
you know, I was a, a decent student and I was good at some sports, but I just focused pretty much all my attention on music. Uh, I went to college, did a year of college, took a year out to play music. I went back for six months and did both. And then when I couldn't do both anymore, I just, I left college and I've been playing music ever since. Wow. And what were you in college for? I was studying to be a primary school or elementary school teacher. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a great job. I mean, I've... Over the years, I, you know, when I was in college, you do a bit of subbing and stuff or teaching practice or whatever. And I mean, it was fantastic. I, I, I loved it. It's a great job, but it was just, I had to pick one or the other. And I, I physically couldn't do the two things anymore. I was doing like seven nights a week playing music and five days a week in college and just like staying up all night trying to do assignments. And I was just this zombie of a human being, <laughs> you know. It was great. I mean, it was one of the best times of my life because I remember uh just just being busy is great whatever problems you have you can put on hold as long as you're busy enough like it's 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 not sustainable and it's not a good idea but i remember like you know having one or two things i had to deal with and be like no time <laughs> i've got to go write an essay about early childhood education and i have to go play wagon wheel in a pub so <laughs> no time for problems today yeah it's that that you have like you're feeding two different boats and they're starting to drift apart and you're like, okay, I have to choose one now. I Exactly. And I mean, I've thought about it over the years. And when you asked me to do this podcast, what made me, the pandemic, and I've had kind of injuries and stuff over the years that I've kind of meant that I haven't been able to gig for a month here or a couple of months there. It does give you pause that, you know, I was 20, I think, when I left college, like for, forever or maybe 21. And if I'd stuck it out, I had like two and a half years to go, or no, I had two years to, whatever it was. If I had stuck it out, I would have gotten, you know, I'd have a degree and in the pandemic, I would have been able to teach in a school. But because I didn't have that degree, because I hadn't finished a degree, I obviously couldn't and I couldn't play music because there was no music. Um, But, you know, so like something about life, like getting older and the realities of life teach you that, you know, when your parents say, please go to college, they know what they're talking. They know what they're talking about, but I mean, for me at the time, it was just I cannot give myself, you know, completely to both things. I am unwilling to be fifty percent on, you know, both things. I don't want to mess up either of them or be like a a bad student and a half good musician. Um, and I, but I mean, I've never regretted it. You know, it was just it was it felt right at the time. I did it. I went after it, and it was great pandemic happened and it was awful and now it's kind of getting it's getting beginning to get good again so and the thing about college is that it's always going to be there you can go back at any time exactly and that's what i said at the time i was like look if it doesn't work out whatever we'll go back tail between our legs like please take me back to college um but no it was a, a decision i made a long time ago and i've never really had cause to regret it you know what that's kind of also another like before we started recording we were talking about why this podcast exists mm-hmm. and another reason why it exists is exactly because of that because in life the only thing we can do is make the best decision possible with the information we had in that moment exactly yeah of course and you couldn't have who could have foreseen a pandemic i mean dear god <laughs> i know i mean <laughs> there's a very very funny youtube i don't know if it's on youtube or instagram or something but I saw Barack Obama talking about the potential of a pandemic like eight years ago. And then one of the first things Trump did was like dismantle the pandemic preparedness squad or whatever it was called, task force. 
and then like whatever how many however many years into his presidency the pandemic hit four years in um yeah but you know of course i was a 21 year old college dropout i wasn't foreseeing pandemics coming down the road right uh and you're right look when you have you t you have to just weigh it up as best you can at the time and like you said look I think the thing about this podcast as well is we'll talk about how I ended up where I ended up, but you could, but you can end up anywhere. So in this journey from being in college, becoming a musician, deciding to leave college and so on, did you have mm. anybody who was an influence on you, like a teacher? So I am saying that teacher is in the loosest sense of the word. Like mm -hmm. a book can be a teacher, the nature can be a teacher, anything can be oh, a teacher. So did yeah. you have anybody like that? Um, sorry, that phone rang again, and I'm just going to ignore it. Uh, I'm so sorry. I don't know who could be calling me. Like you said, nobody ever calls anybody ever. Um, teacher, I mean, specifically actual teachers. I had a teacher in secondary school called Mr. Gary. He was a German teacher, and he was incredible. And I think he kind of he kind of brought out the teaching in me. As in, when I went to college to study teaching, I was like, I think he was one of the things because he had this incredible way of running a room he just owned the room and the way he taught was sort of like you had a real proper understanding of what he was saying so as in i've always found that you know i can learn things off i can memorize things but as soon as i understand something i kind of have it if that makes sense so in terms of an actual teacher he was great miss o'rourke in fifth class big shout out to her as well she was also awesome when i was 11 um, in terms of music, I mean, as soon as I started playing, it was kind of the person who sort of broke through for me. I really loved Billy Joel and James Morrison, Paolo Nutini, but and it's going to sound stereotypical, but Ed Sheeran, his performance on Jules Holland when he played the A-Team, just on his own, no loop pedal, no band, no nothing. I didn't know you were allowed to do that. You know, I didn't kind of, I was the eldest of the four siblings of which I am one. And I didn't have an older brother who, you know, told me like about music or cool music or this is what you listen to or whatever. And my parents weren't into, you know, any kind of modern music. My dad played traditional Irish music in a band. But again, that was not really something that interested me, to be honest. So when I saw Ed Sheeran and I'd sort of just begun to play music myself and he was just one guy on his own all the time. For me bands seemed totally impenetrable i was like i'm nowhere near competent enough to be in a band i've no idea how to like you know write music like dictation i can't you know, write it like you know like uh proper sheet music i it, the whole thing was way I, I couldn't understand it but when i saw a guy on a massive tv show playing the guitar on his own and that being okay i was like oh my god so i don't know if i'd call that like a teaching moment but i, I was really really inspired by Ed Sheeran and kind of what he did to get to where he was. Um, I guess that's the closest thing I could say because I just, I didn't want to go to college when I left school. But when I left school, I was like, I have no idea what being a musician means. So I better go to college for a minute and, you know, and do that because that's the thing you're supposed to do. Um, but as soon as I kind of, you know, found my feet, I moved to Dublin from Cork where I'm from. And as soon as I sort of found my feet, I was like, yeah, I got to get out of this college thing. Um, so it's always been kind of, you know, the draw has always been really strong towards playing music. And even in the pandemic, I was like, maybe I could do something else. Maybe I could learn, maybe I could sign up for a degree or whatever, because we have time. I think, to be fair, if I'd known the pandemic would last as long as it did, <laughs> I might have done that. But 
uh, I was always like, no, I am not quitting on this. I'm not leaving this profession. This this is the thing I'm kind of meant to do. But I think, yeah, Ed Sheeran was the person who sparked it in my head that somebody with a guitar and a voice could just do it himself or themselves. I love that. It's like you didn't know these things were possible until you saw somebody else doing them. Exactly. And you're I like, no idea. yeah, and you're like, yeah, suddenly like this is this whole new path, this thing yeah. that I can do. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you, more and more, I always say the best thing about, like, the internet and YouTube is anyone could be a musician. And the worst thing about internet and YouTube is anyone could be a musician. <laughs> <laughs> But for a long time to become a musician or somebody somebody listened to, you just had to be on the radio. You had to get on the TV. And you had to get on the radio. And if you didn't do that, that's it. You're not going to be a musician. And I mean, now there are like, there are musicians that I know who are really successful in Germany, do you know, and they're just playing like reasonable sized venues in Germany. And it's like back home, people are like, is, is he still playing music? It's like, yeah, he's a super big deal in Stuttgart. And you know, he didn't have to go like down conventional roads to get there. You know what I mean? So I think seeing stuff like Ed Sheeran or even there are people, you know, who blow up as in, I'm not a big... I'm not a big social media guy, but you see people blow up over this kind of anything can happen. And I mean, I think de definitely if you interview somebody else in five years time and they, you know, are famous or big, it's social media does that for a lot of people now. It's just, you know, people see people on social media doing it and they say, well, I'm going to do it. You know, I guess, sorry, I guess my point is I was listening to like Billy Joel playing Shea Stadium with a 12 piece band. And I was like, well, I can clearly never do that. Then I saw Sheeran. <laughs> on his own on TV. And I was like, well, I could probably, you know, do something like that at a much lower level. Totally. And my question to you now, so I interviewed uh, two other musicians uh, for this podcast. Like one of them was uh, Ro Halfheide, who is a Dutch musician. And yeah. he told me about how much the audience impacts how he plays and how he sees the audience oh. as a teacher. Of oh. Like it's different yes. from... And that that brings that comes to my mind because when you're playing for social media, your audience it's it's there, but it's not the same. And I think with the pandemic, with the Zoom sessions, you can also tell that it's yeah. not the same. Like, do you yeah. see like how did the playing live affect how you developed or how you learned to be the musician you wanted to be? It's kind of everything for me um, playing live. It's and it's in I I love going to see musicians. And depending on the musician, if they wanted to sit there on stage and not really say anything, that's fine. You know, like if you want to sit there and just play the songs, that's fine. But other times I've walked out of shows because like the musicians been on stage and they've been so bad <laughs> at interacting with the crowd. And it's like, bro, or, or, you know, Mr. in the band or Mrs. in the band or whoever you are, you have the audience right there. <laughs> They are captivated. Just tell them to sing the chorus. Like, just Don't sing one of the choruses and just let them sing. Like, I brought my brother to see, I won't even say who it is because it's rude, but it was my little brother. <laughs> he went to a show in Dublin at the Olympia Theatre and we were really excited to see this guy play. And we could have just listened to the album in the car. And it would have been the exact same experience. Nothing changed. You know what I mean? So like if you go and see somebody, I think you should expect the person to entertain you. And I think that's the whole thing. If you're going to be going to a show, you need to be entertained. And yes, for certain artists, it's just playing the music is what they do. And you expect that. But for me, I can't help but interact with the audience and bounce off the audience and talk to the audience and involve the audience. 
and I feel like it just makes the whole thing. It's what it's what I love about performing. If you told me, Dan, go and do a gig tonight and don't say anything, I'd be like, I can't. It's, 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 it doesn't work for me. I have to. I love it so much. I love I love playing like that. We met in do we meet? We met in Rotterdam. I think so. Are you? Like yeah, I saw you saw, play. Yeah. Saw me play in Rotterdam, and I'm sure at that show I would have told loads of stories about all the songs and tried to tell you what I was about to sing about. So when I sang about it, you were like, "Oh yeah, well, I get it," because he said the thing before about you know whatever. So I think yeah, all, in terms of my songwriting or whatever, no, I just write the songs. But I'm always thinking about the audience. I'm very seldom just go up on stage and just be like, "I don't care about the audience. I'm just gonna play whatever." You know, it, I, I totally agree with you as an experience. Like, um, I the biggest band that I've ever seen plays Maroon 5. And I have to say, I left disappointed because mm. I thought exactly the same thing. I could have listened to this. Like, it sounded exactly like the album. Yeah. But there was absolutely no interaction with the audience. Nothing. Yeah. And then I saw play. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was before and after, but I saw Ed Sheeran play live. He was yeah. playing in a Turnhalle, which is a gym, essentially, in Germany. And <laughs> yeah, the yeah. ticket was 22. I did 22... German at school. I know what a is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and it was a 25-euro ticket. Like, Class. Unheard so of cool. for now. And, yeah, it's all those interactions that you feel like you're part of the show. And when they get you to sing the chorus, you're part of the show. And yeah, you feel that. Of course. And he... And he makes his songs like it's three minutes long on the album. He makes it 10 minutes long because he adds loads of bits in the middle. And you feel like you're getting like a really cool, unique experience by being at his show. And that's what you're paying for. And I know some people might go to massive shows like you said, Maroon 5. And I'm sure to be fair for like Maroon 5, it's much more difficult to, you know, go off the cuff and be spontaneous because it's all choreographed and there's like there's lights and timings and all these kinds of things. But, you know, for me, going to a show, if they just do exactly what, you know, they do on the record, that's kind of just boring, you know? Yeah. I also saw, um, right before the pandemic, I saw Lizzo. Was it a big, big stadium or was it? Not at all. It was top 700 people. I don't oh, know wow. how that happened. This in, Where was this? Um, it was in Amsterdam in Paradiso. Oh, so, class. That's a great yeah. place. Right? Yeah. We were like second row. She was right there. It was my uh, sister. I went I went with my other sister. And I thought, I really want this to be a good experience. And it was mm. because between the songs, she talked about fries. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. It's like there those little moments. The best gig I've ever been to. And this is kind of this, like the sums up how I feel about gigging and performing. Foy Vance has an album called Live in London and he just it's an evening with Foy Vance and he plays all these songs and I went to see the show in Dublin and he had no set list he was kind of just making it up as he went along and the first four songs he just was at the piano and went from one song to the next song straight into the next song into the next song with like a bit of talking in between but constantly playing the piano that's the first 20 minutes of the show and it's just him on piano and him on the guitar like swapping and it was like two hours and I mean I honestly recognized about three songs they were all new or not finished or whatever he was just up there talking to us you know and just playing around and I did three shows in the summer that they, they kept getting rescheduled because of the pandemic and what we eventually had to do was take my one big show and make it three smaller shows like with limited capacity 
But it was amazing because I went up on the first night and played one set list. And the next night I played another set list. And the third night you're so comfortable that you're like, hey guys, I wrote this song yesterday. Is it okay if I play it? And they're just like, go for it, bro. And I'm like, you know, making mistakes. And everyone's like, nah, it's cool because we're all, we're all part of this together. And I'm absolutely there for, you know, like he's saying, go and see Maroon 5. Go see whoever the big bands are and enjoy that massive experience because that's an experience too. That's a different experience. But I just love the, you know, I would call it, that's a show. I love gigs. Gigs are the best. So if you could give a tip to young musicians, it would be go see as many shows as you can. Absolutely. Oh, go and see. Go and see and go and play as many shows as you possibly can. Play, and everything counts. Play on the street. Play in pubs. Play cover gigs. Play your own music. Play everything that anybody offers you. It's all experience. And I think you can tell a mile away if I'm at a show and the person on stage is a, could be a very good songwriter, a very good singer, but they struggle to talk in between the songs. And they, tr they struggle to maintain our attention between the songs. And I can you can just tell... It's all just hours under your belt it's like anything else the more you do it i'm sure you've done the first two episodes of this podcast maybe you were nervous maybe you didn't exactly know what you were doing but you kept going you kept interviewing people you kept working on it and here you are gigging is such a fun thing to get to do as well hey friend it's alex just interrupting this conversation to remind you that in order to have the optimal experience and enjoy all the links in the show notes you can subscribe to the show on any platform you're using to listen to this podcast. And yeah, it supports the show. It will improve the algorithm for you. So it would show you more shows like this one that you will potentially like. And if you wish to support the show, you can follow us on social media. All the links are in the show notes as well as a link to buy me a coffee, which yeah, will help pay for the hosting. And I also love coffee, but enough of my babble. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so uh, my next question is you as a teacher. So you went from wanting to go to, like going to college to be a teacher. Why did you even want to become a teacher? I love teaching. It just kind of comes very naturally, I guess. Same way music and performing. I feel very comfortable on stage. I feel very comfortable in a classroom. I used to train my little brother's football team with my dad. And I just, I loved how, you know, we play a game and we'd lose the game for like a specific reason. We'd be like, okay, we need to improve that part of our game. And we'd spend all week working on it. Then we'd play the next game and we'd win because we were so good at the thing we were bad at the week before. So um, recent, so I, I loved that and I knew that when I was going to college, I didn't really want to go to college, but I was like, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do teaching. I mean, it's an incredibly rewarding thing to do. You know, they were bad at catching the ball. So I taught them how to catch a ball and the following week we caught every ball. And how would you feel about teaching music like if a young aspiring musician came to you and said i want you to teach me would you take them on like have you ever thought about being a mentor to somebody or are you currently a mentor to anybody how would you feel about that i've got a couple of friends who just started playing music in dublin and i enjoy kind of it's not teaching i don't think or mentoring i wouldn't call it either of those things I would just say that, you know, they ask me questions about how do I get a gig here? How do I get a gig there? And I'm so, so happy to make a phone call for them. Not that I'm a man of any influence whatsoever, but I have worked in the city for a while, so I do have their phone number. I can at least call the guy <laughs> see, can I get my friend? There's a couple of friends who are starting to gig on the Dublin scene, and they're doing really, really well, and they're doing really, really well all by themselves. But I do like, um, I guess, I don't know, the teacher in me or whatever, uh, that part of me, I love that they, you know, 
call me up and say, hey, I had this thing happen tonight. What would you do if this happened? And I'd be like, yeah, well, this is what I do. But I always kind of say, it's again, like I said earlier about experience and just kind of hours under your belt, just you can, you know, explain everything, but just being on stage and playing the guitar and singing songs in front of people, that's what really, you know, that's how you learn. Um, yeah, experience is the best teacher after all. Absolutely. So now we're getting to that point in the show in which I asked the question is the future mm -hmm. of learning stuff. Where are we going? What is happening in the world? Because I, I always related to this that before, if we go back to the Renaissance, for example, if you wanted to be a musician, mm. you would apprentice under somebody who's a musician. If you wanted to learn how to make furniture, you would apprentice under one person. But mm -hmm. now, like you said before, we have YouTube and we can yeah. learn anywhere. And yeah. you also have experience teaching, especially teaching young kids. Where do you think education will go? Like, where do you want it to go? How likely do you think that is? Like, what are your thoughts on the future? I mean, oh, God in heaven, that's... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it's I think it's fantastic that, you know, we can educate ourselves as much as we can. And the older I get, the more I am just blown away by the knowledge at your fingertips all the time. I'm just I'm sitting here at my desk and I'm looking at all the books on my bedside table and just there are just so many things in those books. Anything from reading about, you know, sports or Springsteen or books like, you know, books about life or psychology, these things that, you know, the boundless possibility of the things that we can learn. And I think I sometimes when reading or listening to music or watching a TV show have moments of, wow, I, that's wow. That has really landed. And I actually, that has sort of changed the way I look at a thing, which I think, you know, in life it's, it should be kind of constant growth. And, and I don't think growth need be termed like self-improvement. I feel like sometimes we class things as self-improvement and there's almost like a pressure on that because you got to get better. you got to get better and better and better. I think if you just think of it as, you know, life being this never-ending, perpetual thing whereby you can just choose to experience and care about the things you want to care about. And I mean, the amount of times it's happened to me that I've suddenly become passionate about a thing or a person that I never knew would I didn't never expected this to happen, but because I was open to the prospect of being alive, I met somebody or saw a show or, you know, when I say being alive, I mean like, you know, it's there to be lived and seized and, you know, we all, we all work really hard. Everybody's got a job and sometimes it's, you know, it's really hard. And I'm saying this as a musician, so don't listen to me because my life isn't hard, but you know, <laughs> it can be really, it can be really easy to, you know, nine to five it and live for the weekend and whatever. It's actually a friend of mine right now is doing like stand up classes and it's constantly stand up and music and using her evenings, like whenever she can. And she reads all the time. It's like, like, I just love the fact that you choose to, you know, choose to be alive and do things. That's not really answering the question, but I find <laughs> that education is, education is, you know, when you go to school, it can be stringent and there are exams and degrees and that is one kind of education, sure. And that's good. That's important. That is vital. That needs to stay there and be there forever. Maybe there are th ways, certainly in this country where I'm from, where we can improve that system and improve some, you know, make sure fewer people are left behind. And now I've got loads of friends who are primary school teachers and they do incredible work. And there's people who work in these schools are amazing. 
I do think occasionally they are let down by the systems that are in place. Um, I, again, I say that as a musician who, you know, didn't finish his degree, so don't listen to me. But um, <laughs> I think as vitally important as those things are, there are absolutely, you know, there's so many avenues to become, you know, to become whatever it is you want to become. And I think with school, I always figured life for me would be school, secondary school, college, job. But it's not like that, you know, and I've got so many friends who did do that and now have a job that has nothing to do with their degree because, you know, they upskilled however, whether it was through online learning, with an actual course or just going on YouTube and figuring things out. I don't know. I mean, in answer to your question, where do I see education going? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> but, I think, <laughs> but I do think education and growth is everywhere and, you know. I don't know the things you want to do. The, th the, the things you want to do, go and do them. Go and do the things you want to do. And I mean, it's not that simple. We all have responsibilities, like I said, and jobs and things that you know get in the way. But insofar as you can, if there's a thing you want to do, go and go and do the thing. That was so inspirational. <laughs> that was so inspirational. My God, I don't know if it was. <laughs> no, it it was because a lot of people think like um like two episodes ago I had uh Sarah Tule. I think it's two episodes ago. I don't know when this is coming mm. out. It's live podcast. <laughs> um she worked in sustainability, took a course about changing careers, then she said I want to be a photographer yeah. now. She could afford yeah. it financially and Amazing. she went for it. So Amazing. I love what you're saying that we all have responsibilities. Yes, it's not as easy as say I'm gonna throw myself to the life of an artist. Not everybody's yeah, yeah, as lucky. Course. But you can always like learn more and doing your free time. And I have an important question for you. Yeah, hit me. Do you think digital books will replace paper books? And I'm asking this because you say that you have a stack of books next to you. So what are your thoughts on that? There's a question. My mother, it's beautiful. I won't say her name because I'm, like, I'm just going to drop my na mother's name on this podcast for fear people hate what I say and go and find her somehow. Um, they can see your Myers name for your passwords. Sometimes if we use your mother's <laughs> yeah, names. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, security. They're not my passwords. My passwords are... Oh, wait, I'm not going to tell me what my passwords are. Um, <laughs> Damn it, almost. <laughs> my mother is a librarian. And she, you know... I think part of the reason I write songs is because my mother made me read books. So I've always been sort of decent at, you know, English as a subject. Because I was constantly reading, you know. And if you want to get better at reading or, or writing or you know being being a student of language you read and uh, I always wanted books in my hands as opposed to reading them on a kindle or an ipad and every time I saw reading somebody a kindle I was like what are you what are you doing that's not no no, it's awful, no. <laughs> a purist but a true purist, a purist. You, if you want to yeah give me that really that term that makes you sound like a big asshole but um I <laughs> I was at home during the pandemic and there was no bookstores and I, really, I didn't have a book or there was a particular book I really wanted to read. And I went on the store online and found it. And, you know, they give you like a 50 page sample read it, and I bought it and it was great. So, I mean, I don't know how the money plays out. If I go into a bookstore tomorrow and there's a book I want to buy and it's 15 euro and I go online and it's 10 euro. Who is the person who doesn't get the money? Is that just because he didn't have to physically manufacture a book? As long as the writers are getting the money that they would have gotten anyway, I'm happy. It is a it's it's a fantastic resource. I mean, I'm reading a book at the moment by an author called David Badil. He's a comedian. 
in the UK and I literally heard him talking about it on a podcast or I saw an article on a website about this book. I read like the first two pages of it. I was like, I'm absolutely reading this. So I bought it straight away and it was just there in, you know, on my iPads. So I think, I don't think that books will ever be replaced. I think um, we're always going to need books and stories and literature. I know they can now be put onto digital devices, but I do think we'll always have people who need the book in their hand. And oh, mostly because that would be really sad. I don't think books are going anywhere. Yeah, for I love that, and for me personally, I love the feeling of the book being thicker on this side, and then it like yes. going through oh, the book. I love so that good. feeling. So good. I finished the book last night and really noticed it towards the end. I was like, "It's only fifty pages left. Come on, yes!" yes. <laughs> and it's why I'm so tired today. Is I stayed up way too late. <laughs> it's a book called "Everybody You Hate Is Going to Die" by Daniel Sloss, and it's just the best read. Oh, it's fantastic. Now that we're here, this is a perfect segue to the final question, which is, oh, is there anything you would recommend? Is there a book, a movie? Everybody uh, You Hate is Going okay. to Die by, <laughs> by Daniel Sloss. <laughs> it was fantastic. It's just a really honest appraisal of, um, you know, it's an honest kind of, his honest perspective on a bunch of different topics. It's 10 different chapters on 10 different things. And, you know, it really kind of reminded me of how important it is to be two things, to be kind of self-sufficient. And when I say self-sufficient, I mean, you've got to be happy as to be you. It's so important. And I struggle with that all the time that, you know, no one's ever going to fix you. There's not going to be a girlfriend or a boyfriend is going to be the person that fixes you. And it's really bad of you to ask someone to do that. You know, if you, you should love yourself. Like, you know, it's, and again, it's really tough. I have difficulty with this all the time. But he just talks about how vital it was for him to find happiness himself. He could find somebody else who just accentuated his happiness. You know, you can't force somebody to be like, you be the person who fixes me. You know, you've got to, whatever. Anyway, so that's a book you could read. Um, what else has made an impact? Uh, Foy Vance, um, his writing. Um, he's got a song called The Two Shades of Hope. And he's got a song called And So In Closing, which are both just astonishing feats of songwriting. Uh, Jamie Cullum has a song called The Age of Anxiety, which is, again, I heard that and I was just like, oh, God, this is, yes. Um, I'm trying to think, is there a movie lately that's made a massive impact? Oh, I'm trying to think when was the last time I had a really good, awful looking cry at the television um i watched fleabag during the pandemic and i thought just again what always bowls me over because it's the thing i i i try to do and but find the most difficult it's just people who are honest people who are honest in the things they create and i've got friends and i'll give you some of them callum Orr, gary o'neill aaron rowe alvaretti Maria Kelly, these are Baskerville. Some of them are friends. Some of them are people I re really admire and wish they were my friends. Um, but they're so, so honest in what they say on stage and, and what, how they perform. And you can see it viscerally affecting them while they perform. So I just, I think I love things that are honest. Um, so Fleabag, I found very, very evocative and moving during the pandemic. Maybe that was because... I was upset at the time, but <laughs> um, 
Fleabag. Go watch Fleabag. Read that book by Daniel Sloss. And yeah. But again, at the same time, don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I love when people give me a lot of recommendations because I love writing very long show notes. Like I love putting all the links and all the resources. So I'm going to oh, include Oh, okay. I'm every... so sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I generally like go yeah. check out the notes for the other episodes. I love being like, I have five recommendations for you. Yes. I just love that. Can I, so. can I just say something on that subject? Yes. Very briefly. Yeah. Um, I get sometimes, occasionally, I get overwhelmed by somebody saying, you have to watch whatever, or you simply must read whatever. Because time is, you know, finite. I only have so much of it. And there was a moment I realized, I looked, I had a big list of movies on my phone, on my notes app, making this list of movies and TV shows and books and all these things, albums and everything. All of a sudden I realized, I'm not enjoying consuming things. And I'm, like, I'm doing this because I feel like I have to. I'm watching this movie because I feel like I have to watch this movie because it's a movie you're supposed to have seen. And I mean... As much as, you know, I think those are great songs and it's a great book and it's a great TV show, like, watch the things you want to watch, you know, and let yourself kind of meander through and end up landing on books that make an impact and, you know, landing on things. You know, I think the best way to be is to, you know, be curious yourself. And if, you know, if, if you pick up that book by Daniel Sloss and it sounds like something you'd enjoy, read it. And if it sounds like, I don't think I'd enjoy this, don't read it because I told you you probably should because that's silly. I feel the exact same way about those lists, like 30 books you need to read before you're 30 or 20 books you need to read for yeah. your 20 or something. You don't know me. You don't know what I need. Yeah. And it's utterly overwhelming as well. And I think sometimes I said earlier about growth versus like self-improvement. Self-improvement's like pressure. Like don't run so you can look like, I don't know, who's sexy? Henry Cavill. Run because you enjoy running. <laughs> Go to the gym. Go to the gym because you enjoy it. You know, like I'm exercising more lately and like, I'm doing it as I enjoy it. I'm enjoying beginning to look better. But it's not because I'm trying to be, you know, it's not because somebody on Instagram told me to do it. I'm doing it for me, you know. Same with, you know, reading and listening to music. Listen to the stuff you like to listen to. You know, you know what? I had it yesterday. So I started this book, okay? A Wikipedia reader. A, Wiki a critical point of view, a Wikipedia reader. I read oh. half of it and then I made it to half and uh, I thought I no longer care. Why am I struggling right. with this? I yeah, no longer yeah, care. Exactly. I'll yeah, give it to somebody I else. Mean, somebody else will enjoy it. I'm, I'm sure, but it's just like exactly, and that's a great, and that's great to give the book on. Yeah, yeah. It's like be curious, follow your bliss, and if you don't like yeah, something, I, I think that's the word though. Curious, be curious, be open to stuff. You know, don't not like you know, don't get someone if someone recommends something, don't just say you're never going to read it. But you know, you also don't have to read it. You don't have to consume everything you know there's again like there's so many podcasts on my phone. i was going to say it before we started the interview there are so many podcasts on my phone right now it's terrifying it's, I, said, I, can't, I can't listen to all of these people imparting wisdom or talking about football or whatever sometimes i just want to listen to harry potter audiobooks and, and that's enough for me <laughs> and that's also bliss okay yeah, so we yeah. have we have made it to the end of the show is there anything you want to plug in anything you want to recommend you can promote yourself any Ah, I mean, my name is Dan Elliott. I'm on Instagram, Spotify, YouTube. I'm on every social media platform you can think of. Well, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm on TikTok. I think I was, but it made me sad, so I stopped. Um, I will have music coming out soon. Hopefully live shows in Dublin, hopefully further afield. If you'd like me to come and play in your city or whatever, please do send me a message on something. Drop a comment on a YouTube video. Um, I, I see all that stuff, and I would love to know 